Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. So I woke up with a sore throat, which kind of sucks because it slightly impedes my ability to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Not that it prevents me from talking, but it just kind of hurts, which to be honest, really sucks. But luckily, I am talking about a movie that I am excited to talk about. It's one that I was really looking forward to seeing and that my expectations were not just met, but actually exceeded. So that is going to be a lot of fun. The movie, of course, as some of you know, is John Wick Chapter 4. So I'm a big fan of the John Wick franchise. I remember when they were first coming out, I thought they looked stupid. And the main reason is just because inexplicably, I have family members that hate Keanu Reeves. And I never thought too highly of him as an actor in the few projects I had seen him in. So when these movies were coming out, I refused to believe they were any good until finally... I decided to watch them, and wouldn't you know it, I really liked them. So I watched the first two movies, and then the third one came out probably about a year after I'd watched the first two, saw the third one in theaters, and enjoyed that one as well. And I've rewatched them all a few times a piece. I think my favorite of the first three movies is probably the first movie. I think it has the simplest plot, which kind of makes it the best plot. It has two of my favorite action scenes in the entire franchise. Not the biggest action scenes by any means, but my favorite ones. The very first scene where they come to John Wick's house in the first film, where you first get an idea of what the action is going to be like in that movie and in that franchise going forward, is still one of my favorite scenes. I love that scene. And then the scene where he first goes to the Red Circle and Think by Kalita is playing in the background and there's all the neon lighting as he's slowly killing all these people. Man, that's art. That's beauty right there. And the only thing that I don't love about the first movie is that I think the third act is a little anticlimactic compared to the rest of the movie, but I still enjoy it as a whole. I think it has the most consistent tone from start to finish and like I said the simplest plot it never gets too convoluted or silly or anything like that it's just one guy is on a mission to kill a specific guy for a specific reason and then you have the second movie which initially I liked the best and I think it's because it has some of the best shootout scenes in the franchise but I especially liked it because I love the third act of the second movie. So largely, I like the second movie from start to finish, but I think it has the best third act of the first three movies because it is the third act with some of the best action choreography while also having stakes that you actually care about in some way or another because the third movie, I think, has one of the best first acts and then the second act gets a little bit silly. It just becomes a little too much. There's a specific action scene with Halle Berry and Keanu Reeves and Halle Berry's dogs. And I don't really love that scene. And it's a very long action scene. And there is some good choreography in the scene. But at like four different points, there is somebody about to get shot. And then a dog jumps in at the last second and bites the arm of the guy about to get the shot off. 
I was like, you know, that's cool once or twice, but it happens at least three times in that scene, maybe more. It just got to be too much where I said, I'm watching the same thing over and over again in this scene, and it's a long scene. And then the third act of that movie, it starts off okay, and then it just becomes kind of silly because he's fighting some guys and they kind of kick his ass, but they won't kill him. They keep helping him up and the fight continues until finally he beats those guys. It just weighed the movie down a bit for me because I said, man, one thing about this guy is that he's such a good, skilled assassin. You like seeing him kill a bunch of people and fight a bunch of people. I'm fine with seeing him lose a fight. But at the same time, when it's in the third act of a film and he's fighting guys that aren't actually trying to kill him, they're like helping him up and they're just honored to be fighting with him. It gets to a point where it's like, well, There are no stakes in this scene then because these guys aren't even actively trying to kill him. So why do I care? Like the choreography is fun, but why do I care about this scene? And there's a specific actor who I think is just way too goofy for me in this film. So I don't know. It's just, uh, I like the third movie still. It's got some great action scenes. I think the first act especially has some of my favorite action scenes in the franchise. There's a scene where it's kind of a big knife fight between John Wick and a group of guys. They're throwing knives and all kinds of blades at each other throughout the scene. And that's one of my favorite action scenes in the whole franchise. So I love that. But overall, the first is probably my favorite. And the first one is directed by, technically, it just has Chad Stelsky listed as the director. But David Leach was a co-director on that. And for some reason or another, they just have Chad Stelsky credited and David Leach is credited as a producer, something to do with Director's Guild rules or something like that, that I'm not completely in the know on. But David Leach is a director who I'm a huge fan of. He also did Bullet Train and Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2. I like all those movies quite a bit. And that was kind of why I pointed to the first being better than the other two in hindsight, where after watching all three, I said, the first is probably the best. And I think it's because David Leach was also behind the camera on that one. But overall, I really admire this series up to this point, And I view it as one of the greatest action franchises in Hollywood, not just right now, but of all time. But despite my love for the franchise, I was a little cautious about this fourth John Wick movie. I didn't really know if they had any gas left in the tank. And I mostly thought that because of how the third movie ended, where I said, well, what I hoped the third movie would be, it really only was for the first act. And then it just kind of goes all over the place. And I just did not love the third act. It just got a little too goofy and over the top and over the top is fine. I just felt it wasn't taking itself seriously anymore. I said, well, I'd like it to take itself seriously, even if it is over the top and ridiculous. Like it can have fun with itself without feeling like it's making fun of itself. And so because of that, and then the trailer for the fourth movie, I thought just looked a little bit goofy. And I said, well, I just don't know how this is going to be. I saw great reviews pouring in, but I also had considered that the first movie had the weakest reviews from the general public and from critics, and that the score on Rotten Tomatoes specifically went up for each film. And I kept seeing reviews saying, wow, these movies have gone better and better. And I thought, no, they haven't. The first was great, and the second was 
arguably as good as the first, and then the third was a clear step down. The action may have been a step up, but overall, it felt like a step down from the other two to me. So it kind of worried me when I saw people saying, oh, these just keep getting better and better. I thought, well, they've kind of gotten more and more silly and ridiculous, so is that why they're loving this one? And the trailer looked a little silly and ridiculous, so I was very cautious heading into this one for that reason. But regardless of some of those feelings I had beforehand, I still made sure that I could see this in a premium format. So I chose to see it in an IMAX theater at the earliest possible showtime. And soon after, I was reminded how much I hate seeing movies with other people. So I'll give you guys a quick story, actually, about this. One time in college... Me and a bunch of friends and even people that weren't my friends, just a bunch of people I knew were on this group date, I guess you'd call it. And when I say group date, I mean, there were like 12 people. It was a full on orgy. And someone there had the idea to play a get to know you game, which boring. Anyway, there were these cards that were drawn and everyone would have to answer the questions on the cards drawn. And again, so boring, so dull. I'm a good enough conversationalist where I don't need cue cards to carry a conversation, especially in a group of 12 people. Like if you can't keep a conversation going without conversation cards in a group of 12 people, what are you doing? Go back home. Anyway, one of these was asking people their pet peeves and it went around and there's the usual stuff of, oh, I hate when people say this and this. Oh, I hate when people do this. And it got to me and I said, okay, my biggest pet peeve is when I'm watching a movie with people and they're talking over the movie. And someone's like, well, what do you mean? What I mean is exactly what I said. I'm watching a movie. Let's say all of us were here watching a movie You guys were talking, making commentary and all that while I'm trying to watch the movie. That's one of my pet peeves. And someone goes, you don't like talking in movies? And I said, no, I don't like other people, people not in the movie that are talking, like people in the theater talking or people in the living room while you're watching it on the living room TV. And someone goes, so you don't talk at all during movies? Like even if you're watching a movie with your friends, you sit there in silence and there are a couple of chuckles. I said, Yeah, I do. When the movie starts, it's time to shut the hell up. There was this old show with Patrick Warburton in it, and a guy was talking to him while they were watching a show, and he turns to the guy and says, I want you to think of yourself as the understudy to the TV. When it stops going, you're on. And I think of that all the time where I say, yes, I don't care what anyone has to say during a movie. I just want to watch the movie. Even if the commentary is very funny, you might have, which 99% of the time, it's not funny or interesting. It's certainly not more interesting than the actual movie being watched, unless you are doing an activity where you say, let's watch the worst movie in the world that most of us have already seen, and we'll just have a good laugh, which I don't really see the fun in that. But if the whole activity is centered around laughing at a movie, then sure, whatever, even then. I would give the room a fair shake before I would listen to commentary from my peers. But I'll just say, I instantly killed the vibe of this entire group date, which I'm not used to doing. I usually am not the vibe killer, but I definitely was here. I was getting some weird looks after I said, yeah, I watch movies 
in silence. What do you guys do? And they were looking at me like I was the fun police. It's like, no, I'm not the fun police. I'm the let me enjoy the damn movie police. As you can tell, I'm not bitter about this exchange at all. (laughs) But whatever. So anyway, I'm in this IMAX theater, which is a premium format. And one reason I love seeing movies in premium formats is because typically the people that are less serious about seeing movies, the people that are more annoying in the theater are less likely to be annoying me during the movie because they are not paying to see movies in premium format. They're seeing the matinee showings. They're seeing the $5 Tuesday movies, or they're seeing stuff in a standard theater and they can talk and giggle and do all their goofy stuff all they want, but I'll be unbothered because I'm seeing it in Dolby or in IMAX. But sadly, this was not so. And I have to share this. This episode might run long because I'm sharing this, but I have to share this because I was so annoyed I have no one else to tell it to, so I'm telling it to you guys. But there was a woman and her husband sitting in front of me, and you guys know, I will say stuff during a movie if people annoy me enough, but in this case, this woman's husband was wearing a wife beater and had a mustache, and I said, okay, any guy willing to rock both of those in public is somebody that will absolutely kick my ass, because he was also a decently large guy, and he was much older than me as well, where I said, okay, I'm not going to beat on a senior citizen, but he's at that age where it's bordering on senior citizen, but also a little too young to be a senior citizen. So we'll say he was like 50, had a mustache, wife beater, probably outweighed me by a solid 50 pounds and was maybe an inch or two taller than me. So pretty big guy. But his wife went out of her way to react to every single movie trailer. And I said, okay, it's fine. It's just the trailers. I don't care if people are talking during the trailers, but typically the way people react to trailers does give me an idea of what type of theater I'm in, the vibe to expect. And it was like, okay, they showed a trailer for a movie. I think it was Dungeons and Dragons. And she just said, huh, interesting. That's like out loud, fully audible. And it's not even just to him. It was just out loud, like to whoever could hear, huh, interesting. And I said, yeah, I suppose so. They've been playing this trailer for (laughs) eight months. So it's just as interesting as it was eight months ago. And then next up, it was the Flash trailer. And the second it starts, she just goes, nope. Nope. And then the rest of the trailer plays out and it ends and Michael Keaton's Batman's in that trailer. And she just goes, you know what? I was out and then I saw Michael Keaton's Batman. So I'm in. I went, oh boy. I'd like to pretend those people don't exist, but unfortunately they do. Michael Keaton Batman fans is what I mean. Or at least people that are fans to the point that they are going to see a movie years and years later just to see old man Michael Keaton in a bat suit. Come on. Then it plays the trailer to Fast and Furious 10, I think they're on now. And at the end, she just goes, yes, 100%, yes. And her voice was deeper than mine. Nothing wrong with that, but it was deeper than mine. So I, that's why I'm deepening my voice when I'm imitating her. And then it plays the Oppenheimer trailer. And at the end, she just goes, I don't know, interesting. I went, wow, thank you for the input. And then the trailer's end, and it's showing the Nicole Kidman AMC intro. Then she turns and goes, wow, wake me up when the movie starts. And it's like, well, it's clearly about to start. (laughs) But here we go. And then the movie starts, 
and she does not shut up for the entire movie. And I just thought, why did I have to sit right behind you? And I mean, like the stuff she was saying, it was like a comment on every single thing that happened in the movie. John Wick shoots a guy and she goes, oh boy. Yeah. He's done that a thousand times in this franchise. You're still going, oh boy, at a headshot. And then a character will say something and then she'll go, wow, that's a good line. I'm like, yeah, well, it's just a line. It's just a line. And then a character got shot and she goes, oh, and covers her mouth and then puts her hands over her head after that with just her jaw dropped. I can see that her jaw is dropped and she's just going, no, 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 no. Oh, wow. They mean business. And I thought, oh, stop. It's like when I see those YouTube channels where it's watching X movie for the first time. And it's like, okay, first off, this is not your first time watching this movie. You are so full of it. Like 90% of those, they are so full of it. Because I saw this one where it's like watching Star Wars for the first time. I went, okay. You have a movie channel, but you had never seen Star Wars before starting the movie channel. Like, what inspired you to start a movie channel? Because it's like, you've now talked about Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Shrek, just about every single major franchise, Back to the Future, you're watching them all for the first time. So you're telling me you just woke up one day and said, I want to start a YouTube channel where I watch movies for the first time. Wouldn't you have to have some love of cinema? to want to dedicate so much time to doing that. So what movies made you fall in love with cinema? Were you just watching all the movies that nobody had ever seen and had never seen any of the movies that everybody had seen? And I always watch, like sometimes I'm just baited into watching those because I'll see like a watching Empire Strikes Back for the first time. And it's like, you know what? I'm just tempted to see this. I'm tempted to see their reaction. And it's at the point where Darth Vader's like, I'm your father. And then they're like, oh, no, no way. And it's like, oh, stop, stop. This movie came out so long ago. Even people who have never heard of Star Wars, you could go to another planet where they don't even have movies. They don't even have running water on Mars. If you met a Martian, they'd be like, oh yeah, Darth Vader, that guy's Luke's father. I know that from the episode of The Simpsons that streams here. I hate those channels so much, man. But at the same time, I fall for the bait. I see the thumbnail. I'm like, no way they haven't seen this. And I watch it and I'm just in disgust at how terrible the actors these people are. Watching Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows for the first time. Oh, I wonder if Harry's really dead. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. So that was this lady the whole time. She was giving her watching X movie for the first time reactions the whole movie. And in fairness, this probably was, I mean, almost certainly was her first time watching John Wick Chapter 4. But still, I don't need the reactions. And she would not shut up the whole movie. And like I said, I couldn't say anything because her husband, he doesn't give a damn, dude. That guy was in a wife beater and was rocking a mustache. You don't mess with a guy like that. Any man unashamed to have that look in public is not a man to be trifled with. And I mean, some people can rock the mustache, okay, to be fair. Not this guy. So yeah, she didn't shut up the entire movie. And there were several bits of commentary from her where I thought, oh my gosh. Seriously, I was considering walking out 
and rescheduling to a different showtime because it was so unbearable. And then not just that, I keep having this bright light hit me from the side of my face and I turn to my left and it's the row back from me a few seats over. This person is on their phone with the brightness all the way up. And yes, they were old, very old. So the brightness is all the way up. The font size is larger than the font size of the captions on the iMac screen. And sometimes I think this when I see old people on their phones, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what could possibly be interesting you on that device? Like your 82 Facebook friends, you think they posted anything in the last half hour worth scrolling through? I know you're not on Twitter. You don't know what Instagram or Snapchat are. Well, I guess they kind of know what Snapchat is now. They're evolving. They find one Snapchat filter and they never stop using it. But literally, this person was on their phone like 90% of the movie where I just had to try and ignore them. But I was like, man, you paid to see a movie in IMAX and you are old and you're on your phone the entire time. What old person is on their phone for three hours? Because it's a long movie. But like stuff is happening the whole time. It's just unbelievable. Theater etiquette is gone entirely. And not just that, the guy behind me kept kicking my chair over and over every time he would cross and uncross his legs. It's like you can't uncross and cross your legs without kicking my chair every single time. Man, I was so annoyed, which is why it is unbelievable that I enjoyed this movie as much as I did. And it is a testament to the level of craftsmanship that went into this film. So when I said that I wasn't sure if this franchise had much left in the tank, I was so thrilled to be wrong. And I'm telling you, I was thrilled from start to finish watching this movie. It opened and in the first few minutes I said, okay, I'm in, I'm in. I don't know how this is gonna shake out, but it's interesting enough so far. But once this film takes off, oh my gosh. Is just a rush from start to finish. There is maybe only one point in the film that I felt it was dragging at all. And to be honest, it was a completely necessary portion of the film. It was a spot right before the third act kicked off. And the only reason it feels like it's dragging is because you're like, okay, let's get to the third act because that is what we're here for. Because everything you had watched up to that point was so epic and intense and just exhilarating that the next 10 to 15 minutes where it's slowing down and setting up everything that needs to be set up for the third act, you're like, all right, all right, I got it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. And it's mostly just that you're so pumped. So it's not even that the movie was really dragging. It's just that you were so excited for the next point in the movie that you're like, all right, let's get through this. Let's get through this. So I want to talk about some of my favorite parts of this movie. And one of the best parts of the movie to me is that this has the best cast in the entire franchise. And I don't think it's particularly close. So all of the movies had some fun performances and fun characters. Sure, I liked seeing Willem Dafoe in the first movie. Keanu, this is the perfect role for him because, let's be real, he is not the typical actor. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but He's not a guy who is going to win you over with his line reads typically. He's kind of a guy that can emote, but he is best at acting without using words. So having a character like John Wick, who doesn't really talk that much, is kind of the perfect role for Keanu, in my opinion. 
at least when it comes to serious characters. I think when he's playing a serious, angry guy, that is best for him not to talk very much. I think it's because in real life, he's just such a kind man that playing this tough, rugged guy just doesn't entirely suit him. He looks the part, but him actually saying stuff that a killer would say, it's like, well, this is clearly not stuff that he would typically say. Like, he's no Christian Bale in that regard, where Christian Bale, anything mean or intense or evil, it's like, yeah, this guy probably says this if they get his order wrong at TGI Fridays. Like, I would believe that. Keanu Reeves, I just would never believe he's threatening death against anyone. But Keanu does a good job in this film. And then also starring in this movie is Bill Skarsgård, who does a very good job. I mean, Bill Skarsgård, again, is one of those guys that's just great in everything, and I especially enjoyed him in this movie. Lance Reddick and Lawrence Fishburne and Ian McShane are characters that were in previous films and are again in this one. One thing, this is maybe one of my only critiques of the movie, and it's not a critique of the movie necessarily, it's just something that I was hoping for and it didn't happen, and I think the movie works perfectly fine without it, but I was hoping to see way more of Lawrence Fishburne, and sadly that is not the case. He is only in this movie about as much as he was in John Wick 2 and 3. Serves an important role in the film for sure, but he's not a major character in this movie like I was hoping. Ian McShane ends up being a much bigger presence than I expected in the film. I knew he would be in it, but I didn't know to what extent. But he ends up being a pretty important character from start to finish. Now, some other newcomers to this franchise are also martial arts legends. One is Hiroyuki Sonata. The other is Donnie Yen. Then there is Scott Atkins and Marco Zoror. So all these guys are martial arts legends in their own right. Scott Atkins is probably one of the greatest kickers of all time. Any movie he's in, he's usually doing a bunch of crazy kicks. Usually anytime I see him, I think of the time in the Brothers Grimsby where Sokka Baron Cohen calls him Ukrainian Ben Affleck. But in this movie, he looks nothing like that at all, which I'll talk about in a bit. Then Donnie Yen is a standout in this film and is because he is a character from start to finish. He is one of the primary antagonists, but he's kind of an interesting antagonist because he is a former friend of John Wick. So he has no ill feelings towards John but he's tasked with this job really against his wishes. He kind of has to go through with this job as you learn throughout the movie, but his scenes are genuinely incredible. I mean, he's blind, which I've seen some good action from blind characters before. I've watched a lot of Daredevil, but I'm telling you, this guy, Donnie Yen's character, would absolutely wash Daredevil in a fight. And it brings kind of a different touch to the franchise because in the first movies, most of the John Wick action, specifically the Keanu Reeves action, it was a lot of grappling takedowns and things like that. But Donnie Yen, who a lot of people know from the Ip Man franchise, he is a very fast-paced martial artist. So he's throwing a ton of quick punches and slaps and things like that. And it's really fun to watch. And then Hiroyuki Sonata is... Also very solid in this movie. I've enjoyed him in every movie I have seen him in, and I think he does a very solid job in this movie. He is another guy who is an old friend of John Wick's, but in this case, he is an ally to John Wick. And then another standout performer in this film, 
is the daughter of Hiroyuki Sanada's character, and she is played by Rina Sawayama. And all honesty, she is in the first act of this film and is so awesome that I was really hoping she would pop back up in this film, but she's only in the first act. But I kept thinking, man, I really want to see her again. And truthfully, I hope they do something more with her in this franchise because she was incredible. Like she has some really awesome action scenes to the point that I actually thought she was one of the martial artists in this film because I had seen a few interviews where they were talking about some martial arts legends being in the film. And I knew Hiroyuki Sonata. I knew Donnie Yen. I knew Scott Atkins, but then there was another name. And so I kind of just assumed it was her when I was watching her in that scene. But it was actually Marco Zoror, who is very good also in this film. So when it comes to the actual action, I think this film has some really great hand-to-hand combat. Definitely the best of the franchise with how it incorporates martial arts and things like that. There's some really brutal fights. There's also some archery in the movie that was pretty cool. That's in the first act. That there's some solid archery combat and that I was able to appreciate as well. And there's also a huge nunchuck fight where John Wick is fighting with nunchucks. And again, it was really cool. I'm at the point where I'm like, man, what else can they do? Because they have really covered just about every single base when it comes to combat. Like you've got the shootouts. You've got the hand-to-hand martial arts. You've got the nunchuck fights. You've had the knife fights. You've had the sword fights. You've had car fights, if that's a thing. So what else is there at this point? But I'm telling you, they keep coming up with new stuff at this point. So I look forward to seeing if they do much more with this franchise, what they decide to do with it, where they can keep pushing the franchise forward with new stuff. But yeah, the performances in this movie are really awesome. I enjoyed the cast a lot. I thought the action was spectacular and also the direction was really, really impressive. There are some scenes that I don't want to say my jaw was on the floor because I'll save that for the lady in front of me whose jaw was on the floor half the movie. Even that stuff where it's like, he just closed a door. Why'd your jaw drop? You're overreacting to the wrong things. But there's one specific scene where... It's kind of a shootout. John Wick is going through this building. I don't know if it's a old hotel, apartment building. No idea. But it's this shootout that is just bananas because like there are people being set on fire and their headshots and just everything that you can fit into the scene. And it ends up going into this crane shot, like this overhead as he's clearing out the building, going room to room. So you're watching it overhead. And they do it in one take. There might be some cuts in there that I did not notice, but largely there's some really long shots throughout this scene using a crane, and I just thought it was really, really cool. Some of the most unique direction I've seen in an action movie. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't understand action, and even me. Like, There's stuff that I can appreciate, but if I were to shoot an action scene myself, I could not do it like some of these people do it. And it's because there's so much that's important when it comes to shooting these action scenes. And it's, one, you have to care about the scene. There have to be some stakes to the scene. But then, two, there has to be an interesting environment. And that's why you'll watch movies sometimes, not to dig on the Marvel movies, but take Captain America Civil War, for example. There's the airport fight scene. 
where you can say the fight is interesting because, oh, it's got all these characters I care about and I care about what they're fighting about. But at the same time, there aren't really stakes to the scene because you know that they're all Avengers and they're not going to hurt each other too badly because they all like each other. So nobody is at risk of dying necessarily because nobody's out for blood among them. But then also it's shot in such a flat location and they don't really use the location to their advantage very much. Whereas in these movies, they absolutely use that to their advantage. Like if you are, for example, fighting in a confined space in a kitchen and they're not pots and pans being thrown around, cupboard doors being slammed in the other person's faces, someone being toppled by the refrigerator, getting pushed over, whatever, you're doing it wrong. Or if some fire doesn't start and the smoke alarm starts going off, I'm just telling you, when you have a specific environment for a scene, you have to find ways to incorporate that environment and make the scene more interesting. And I think this franchise has done a great job of having plenty of different settings for their action scenes and doing something different with those settings in each scene. And it's never been more apparent than it was in this movie. The majority of this film takes place in Paris, so you finally find out who's in Paris. But they go to all these different spots in Paris and have these huge action scenes. And there are just so many situations where the environment plays a huge role on the action scene. There's one spot in Paris. I have no idea. I don't know landmarks very well. It's where all the cars are going like a circle in this major roundabout. And there's a big action scene there where guys are constantly getting thrown into cars, getting hit by cars, and where John is ducking behind cars while he's getting shot at, and he's hopping in cars and doing all this stuff. So that is really engaging, and it's a good use of the environment. And then there's another scene. It's the Scott Atkins scene in the movie where he is in a fat suit and heavy makeup where you can barely tell Scott Adkins. I knew it was him just because I knew he was in the movie. And that's another scene where they're at this big club. And so the music is really loud. The beats going crazy. The whole theater is thumping where the environment of the scene is again, impacting you as the audience member. Like you feel like you're in the club because of how immersive it is with the sound and the cinematography and there's a bunch of people around where when people are dying, they're all screaming and running around. So it very much plays into the environment. And again, with that scene, Scott Atkins gives an awesome performance leading up to that scene. There's some really good tension leading up to it, especially when you know the context of the scene. And there's actually one character in that scene who I have not mentioned up to this point, And that is Shamir Anderson's character who gives a really solid performance in this movie. He's a very interesting character because you don't know exactly what his motives are. You know that he plans to kill John Wick, but he is waiting for the price to get high enough for him to kill John Wick. So he's kind of helping John stay alive throughout the movie until the price point gets to the spot that he needs it to be so that he can kill John and claim the prize. So you don't know exactly why he wants the money or a specific amount of money, but you know that those are his motives. And so he is in plenty of scenes throughout the movie. I would not be surprised to see him and other projects going forward in this franchise. But overall, the way that the action shot is just very, very clever. I think the sound plays a huge role in it as well. The score is very good. It was Tyler Bates and somebody else that I'm too lazy to look up right now, but they do a very good job with the score for this movie. The cinematography is great as always. They do a good job using 
a very wide variety of colors for the palette of this film. Like there'll be a scene that's a very dark red hue from start to finish. Then you'll get some heavy green hues, some yellow. You get just about every shade of every color in this film. So it never feels flat. And there's some needle drops in this movie that are also pretty dang awesome that it felt reminiscent of the first movie that I think utilized music better than two and three. There's a lot of this that I felt took the best of each movie before it. It was like the very best of all of the movies. They took everything that worked and kind of threw out everything that didn't work. Not that there was a lot that didn't work, but They threw out anything that didn't work and kept everything that people appreciated up to this point and maybe even stuff that was underappreciated but worked really well. And they were able to weave that all into this movie. And I think the way that it turned out was absolutely beautiful. Because one final thing I'll say is that the emotional stakes in this film are felt. You don't really get that in two or three Two or three are these big revenge plots. The first movie is a revenge plot, but there's an emotional core to the revenge plot. Whereas two and three just becomes John Wick is hired for this job. Guy screws him over, ends up killing the guy, and then everyone is trying to kill him because he killed this guy and broke certain rules. But this movie kind of brings you back to who John Wick actually is at his core. Is he this killer or is he actually a human being who has cares about human beings and that was able to exist as a regular man outside of this world that he is in? And so I think this movie ties it all together really, really well. I honestly have no idea what they are going to do with this franchise going forward because I think they have brought in plenty of characters that are very interesting that they can do other spinoff projects with. But I think with Keanu Reeves' current age and other factors that he can probably hang it up now in this franchise. And most people would be satisfied with what he has given us. So I think that this movie overall, it's a long movie, but it earns its runtime. It feels like this big epic, which none of the movies felt like that. And I kept thinking at certain points, I said, man, it's crazy how far this franchise has come from this small movie in the first one where it's just one guy on a manhunt basically to the second movie which opens up this world a bit more than the third movie you see how big the world actually is and now this fourth movie is just this big globe-trotting epic action movie and it is epic and overall just spectacular this might be my favorite film of the year thus far it's at least the most fun i have had in a movie theater the most gripped I have been by any movie. I was on the edge of my seat during some of these action scenes. One, because they are just so spectacularly shot. And two, just because the stakes are there and the stakes are very important in these movies. If I don't care about how the action scene plays out, or if I feel like John Wick's going to win the fight no matter what, then honestly, it becomes uninteresting. But there are actual points where you're like, man, he is kind of getting wrecked here because there's so many guys or This kind of feels a little impossible. How is this going to play out? And I think they just did a brilliant job with it. So to me, this may be recency bias, but this might be my favorite John Wick movie of the franchise. And if this is the note that Keanu Reeves wants to go out on for his character, then I can't think of a better way to go out. So if you were on the fence about seeing this movie, but you've enjoyed the previous ones, then absolutely go see this movie in theaters on the biggest screen possible. I think you will not regret it. If you're somebody who has never seen the John Wick movies, then 
I say just watch the first one, and if that's your cup of tea, then keep going, and maybe you find yourself interested in watching this fourth one in theaters. But I definitely did not regret it. I feel that my expectations were exceeded, and I can't wait to hear what everyone else thinks about this movie, because I think there will be a lot to talk about once the general public has finally gone around to this one. So those are my thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4. Those of you who have seen it, feel free to reach out. I would love to talk to you guys more about this, as of course I've been trying to avoid spoilers thus far. But otherwise, that's all I've got for this episode today. So I may have another episode releasing later this week, but may not depending on certain circumstances. Otherwise, I will for sure have an episode dropping next week about the new film Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. So stay tuned for that and make sure you are subscribed. And thanks again for tuning in. You guys will hear from me sometime later.